this program to bring you a special report. Welcome to South of the Eight. Despite our ongoing pandemic, I have tried to be part of the many peaceful protests here in San Diego. I believe that voicing our opinion is what democracy is all about. And after a recent series of protests, my mother, as it was to be expected, was worried that I'd get caught in the dangerous riots or arrested for looting. It was then that I tried explaining what the movement was all really about. To the best of my ability, of course, but I failed. I don't know if you've ever tried complaining to immigrant parents, but their usual response is, no sabes la suerte que tienes de no vivir en México. Which tells me a few things. They understand privilege, which is good, I guess, but also they're still in survival mode. For my parents, assimilation was not just convenient, it was necessary, and I thank them for their sacrifice. To this day, they believe in the one promised American dream. They have seen family members attempted and come short of what they now hold so dear. Something very common for first-generation kids is growing up knowing the struggle, yet knowing things could be better. It is not out of lack of appreciation for what we have, but rather knowing our place in society that we very much contribute to, and expecting what is fair. Recently, the DACA immigration policy has been at the forefront of debate. Trump, as he promised in his political campaign, is attempting to dismantle everything that Obama accomplished. This is out of sheer political pettiness to swing the political pendulum to the right. But that may just be my opinion. I acknowledge that I have certain biases. That said, today I get to interview two people directly affected by this very crucial decision. Francisco and Ignacio are DACA dreamers. Together we discuss what DACA means, its effect in our communities, and things that they have to go through every day. I hope this helps give an insight into a situation that may not be close to home for some, but could define an entire generation. I will say this is a long episode, but I believe that listening to its entirety is highly important. Educate yourself, stay safe, and remember, you can make a difference. Hey, man, thanks for doing this. Can you go ahead and introduce yourself for me? Hey, uh, thank you for having me. My name is Francisco Peralta. I'm a uh, recent graduate from UC San Diego. I'm a member of the community, and I volunteer with San Diego Water Dreamers, and I'm also a DACA recipient myself. Great. I'm glad you hit that on that point. Could you describe to me what DACA is? So DACA initially was a program that initiated in 2012 by executive order by President Obama. And basically, the program was initially designed to help uh, people like myself, people who came here uh, to the United States uh, when we were young. Uh, and when we came here, we were undocumented. So we technically grew up here in the United States uh, all of our lives. Uh, uh, when it comes to myself, I came here when I was about 12 years old. But there's people that came here when, you know, when they were one month old. So basically, the program was designed to help people like myself, people who grew up in this country, who were in school, who had clean record, who had a bunch of different requirements along the way so that we can stay in the country and continue to work without the worry of being deported. Tell me a little bit more about who fits into DACA then. So you were saying that there's certain restrictions as far as who can actually be a part of it? Yeah, absolutely. So some of the requirements to be able to apply for DACA when DACA was passed in 2012, some of the requirements were very specific. They wanted you to be in the country for at least seven years prior to the 
initiation date, which was in 2012. So they wanted you to be in the country for at least seven years before that. Uh, they also wanted you to have a clean record, clean criminal record, no felonies whatsoever. Uh, they also required that you were uh, currently an enrolled student somewhere in some type of school, whether it was a high school student or a college student or some type of even um, technical training schools. So um, that was another that's that was another requirement. And also among the requirements was an age limit. I don't remember from the top of my head if it was uh, 27 years old or 29 years old. But there was also an age limit for people to apply. So if you were over that age or if you had criminal record or if you were not in school or if you did not come to the United States prior to that, people were not able to qualify for that uh, work permit. I guess that's part of the misinformation that I see here a lot of is that people think that anyone can just come and get a DACA, right? A lot of people think or are misinformed thinking that anyone can just come here, work and mooch off of um, Social Security or stamps or welfare. Legally, you guys aren't even allowed to apply for any of that, correct? Yeah, that's actually, it goes, and it goes actually a little bit beyond that. You made a really good point uh, when you mentioned that some people get mislead. And some of that misleading information typically comes from well-known outlets such as Fox News, such as some wings of the Republican Party. And you often see that kind of rhetoric because it serves a purpose. They use us as a scapegoating a lot of the times just to be able to point a finger and say, look, all these people are coming to this country to do X, Y, and C. But in reality, it's, um, we, I mean, I'm looking for the proper words to say it, but literally we've basically, they painted us as like the quote unquote ideal immigrants when it comes yeah. to like not having a criminal record, being currently in school, being in this country for a long time, being able to speak English well, like all these different categories that they would require just for us to be able to apply. So whenever you hear the rhetoric on any newspaper or any right-wing outlet or any, or, or even coming from the president itself, when you hear that rhetoric that, that all these immigrants are criminals, something to think about is the fact that even just to be able to apply for DACA, it has a lot of requirements that they want you to have not they want you to be above and beyond even u.s citizens there's plenty of u.s citizens in this country who are they don't have that correct they don't have a clean record that they're not in college or they're not attending any technical school mm -hmm. and therefore that doesn't make you any less you know like um even even our parents you know right i feel like uh, it's it's problematic because you're right uh, a lot of times you guys are the exemplary citizen Right. You guys have to abide by so many rules that most of us that are privileged enough to be citizens or private, uh, permanent residents, we don't even live up to uh, live up to those ideals. And with that said, um, why is it then that DACA is currently in danger? Why is it that lately I feel like we, we hear more and more about it? For one big reason, in 2017, uh, towards the first year of uh, Trump being in office, he sent the attorney general uh, to basically announce that the DACA program was going to be terminated. Uh, Jeff Sessions, to be more specific, was the attorney general during, during that time. And basically, the president just, it was one of his campaign promises. He said he was going to go after immigrants, and we were the low-hanging fruit. Uh, not only were we were low-hanging fruit, because he could just do an executive order and end the program immediately, 
but something more importantly was the fact that we were used as hostages. The DACA recipients were used as hostages by the Trump administration because he wanted to get the money to build that wall, but he needed Congress to be able to approve those funds. And he used us as the, yeah, he uses as, as, a, as a hostage or, or a political a hostage, if, if, if you want to say that, um, so that he could actually get leverage in order to say, hey, I need X amount of billions of dollars to build the wall. Uh, across the U.S.-Mexico border, and in exchange, I will find a solution or I will sign a solution for the dreamers, right? In this case, it was all, all of us, DACA recipients, right? So that was one of the reasons why it was on the new, not, not only lately, but it started technically uh, almost three years ago when they went and announced that the program was going to be terminated, period. And Basically, it was like a bucket of cold water. Technically, the, um, the attorney general just went on national television one day without a warning and said, hey, DACA pro- the DACA program has been terminated. Everybody has six months to be able to reapply, uh, to be able to just continue or use finish your, your last uh, permit. And after that, you know, good luck because you're no longer going to get that uh, permit. It is, it is a very... Um, was the right word, is a very disturbing news, especially the way I remember them. I, you know, I was coming from a friend's wedding on, um, uh, here in California, and it was a great weekend. I think it was, um, it was somewhere in September, and I forgot what, what holiday was it, but I was coming back from a good weekend out of, out of a friend's wedding, and, you know, long story short, uh, the next Monday, uh, they announced that on TV really early in the morning, so I was getting ready to go to class, and and I turned on the TVs and I started getting text messages early in the morning that there was going to be an announcement on that. And yeah, long and behold, uh, it was on CNN live that basically the attorney general just went on TV and said, hey, you know, he, he did not use his words, but he technically was saying, like, pack all your shit because this is, uh, you know, this is no longer. Yeah, 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 exactly. They basically was saying this is no longer your home or you're no, no longer welcome. So it was a definitely a, a complicated matter when it happened in 2017. And, you know, we, uh, we're immigrants, you know, we, we work hard and we don't take shit. And, you know, they, 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 they wanted to fight. We gave them a fight. And one of the reasons why it was in the news lately is because it was a long, long legal battle uh, that started in 2000. Uh, the end of 2017, and it went on to different court of appeals in California, the Ninth uh, Circuit Court of Appeals here in California, in Texas, in New York, uh, and it went on and went on on different uh, court of appeals, and it ended up in the Supreme Court, and that's one of the reasons why it was on the news quite a lot for the past two three years. A lot of people that were not familiar with the word DACA, kind of like were were forced to learn what it was because it was a it was a fu- the future of close to 800,000 people in this country were at jeopardy because right. i can only speak for myself but i i, I can tell you that it, it it's the this is our home you know this is this is how we see this country with all its flaws and with all the the things that we don't like they're still you know this is still our home and we just want to work and, and make it better in whatever shape, we, in whatever way we can. 
So we, you know, we took on on a big legal fight that ended up in the Supreme Court, and thankfully, the Supreme Court sided sided with us, saying that the way that the Trump administration terminated the program was without any legal justification. It was just basically, and I think I think they actually used those words. I think they actually said it was a capricious way with no legal basis, and therefore they could not side with the president. Yeah, I feel like, again, like you mentioned, a lot of people are now finally aware of what DACA is. A lot of us are privileged enough to not have to rely on such a program. And something, something as small as a signature can, um, can affect so many people. And some of the worst ways, really, I mean, displacing them from their home, taking them, separating them from their family, or taking them pretty much their livelihood or everything that makes them them. And I feel like that's uh, one of the things that I, I believe is very important is information. Um, a lot of us, or I, I should say a lot of people aren't aware of what's really going on or why you guys would be affected directly. Again, it comes with the rhetoric and it comes with the information, but a lot of times you guys are just asking for a chance and, and you guys are being, being almost demonized as to think that you guys want more, that you guys come here to take more, to take opportunities, to take jobs. And that's just not where it lays. The, the truth lays that you guys just want a chance. This is the home, you know, as you mentioned. So with that said, what would be some of the deeper consequences of losing such an important program? If you can go a little bit in depth into that. Imagine that overnight, imagine that tomorrow, someone comes and say, we're going to take away your social security number, your driver's license, your ID, and your job. Oh, and by the way, we know where you live. We know where you work. And we know where you go to school. So um, you got six months to bounce. Right. So that's the, the it cannot get any colder than that. That's okay. basically what we were in in 2017 when they went on and announced that the, that the program was coming to an end. And I'll tell you this from, you know, from uh, I'm, I'm, you know, I'm lucky enough that I don't have any kids. I don't have a mortgage. I'm not doing a car payment and you know, my, my expenses and my bills are, are, are not that big because I have a lot of family help, but I put myself in the shoes of someone who has a, who has kids, who has a, a mortgage, who is paying their car, who has to pay rent, who has to pay all their bills. And then on top of that, they have to feed maybe two or three members of their family, right? Like their, their income, it's, it's, it's a big foundation in that one family household. So it is, it, is a, it is beyond cruel to do that to people, it's especially when they put you and ask you to do so much. It, it, it means that we can work and, and be able to get a driver's license and drive without the worry of getting pulled over and getting our car impounded. But definitely was not, you know, all these social benefits that people are meant to believe that we are latching on, that we are... Uh, that we are sucking out of a well-deserving American citizen. That's absolutely not the way. It's, it's actually, I will argue that it is the opposite. We actually, we're a big component. We actually are the engine, the economic engine of this country, immigrants. Yeah. And we don't have to have a college degree. We don't need to have a perfect uh, 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 record. And we do not have to, you know, be paying taxes every single year. We work in this country very, very hard. We do the work that a lot of people don't want to do, whether it is on the fields, whether it is at a grocery store, whether it is washing dishes, whether it is at the car wash, 
we do jobs that other people don't want to take. And I get it. It's, it's a hard job and not, it doesn't pay well. Working conditions suck. Benefits are horrendous. They're not even existing in some, in most of these cases. So we definitely contribute a lot to the economy and we get pretty much nothing. At least as a DACA recipient, we get a little bit by at least having a social security number that exists. But the majority of immigrants that work here undocumented, we get nothing. We live, and I speak for my mom, I speak for my brother, I speak for my neighbors, I speak for classmates that are also undocumented. And I, they just put and put and put and they don't get anything back. Uh, on the contrary, they're actually pumping millions of dollars to the Social Security Administration and they don't get anything back and they will not get anything back. So, yeah. you know, I don't blame when people, sometimes they, they hear one side of the story and they start making judgments based on only one side of the story. But it's also good to hear the other side of the story. In this case, you know, it's... it's um, the DACA program. Uh, you're completely right, especially in the fact that immig- uh, immigrants are such a big part, as you mentioned, of the economic thrust of this uh, of this country, especially now when we see who the actual essential workers are, right? We're talking about people that work in the fields, people that work in storage, people that work in healthcare, and these are all overwhelmed by people that are part of the DACA program. And I, it, it's hard to imagine the fact that someone can look at a group of people and say, you don't matter, because that's kind of what they're saying, like, we don't want you here. And it's horrible, especially when you contribute so much to a country that gives you the bare minimum, to say the least, right? I mean, they give you, what, the privilege to be here and the privilege to pay taxes? The privilege to work. Yeah, privilege to work. (laughs) It just seems ridiculous. And and so many things aren't considered, you know what I mean? They're they're not considered the fact that you guys lack a voice because you don't have a a vote, right? You guys um, lack the possibility for any kind of assistance by the government because Again, you guys didn't receive a stimulus check, right? You guys paid for it. Your taxes helped pay for it. But you guys didn't receive, or any immigrant didn't receive a stimulus check. Or for that matter, any kind of stamps or any kind of assistance. So it goes to show the fact that this is just out of uh, political pettiness, really. The irony of things is that at the same time, they're, you know, they're sending the signal saying, I will, we, you're essential in this way, but your immigration status is not essential to us. Right. And it's it's that slippery slope because at the end of the day, you know, something I something we mentioned earlier, that something that you mentioned that sometimes they put us on a pedestal that they're saying like, look, the dreamers are like the perfect picture or quote unquote of the perfect immigrant. But in reality, like we actually get people that should get more credit is our parents and our brothers and our sisters and our neighbors. Because the work that they do, it is exactly what is going on today. It is the essential, the, the essential part of the economy is all the people that work in healthcare, in the agricultural industry, in the service industry, in the healthcare industry, and in all these different industries. And it's us. It's the, the undocumented immigrants that work in most of those jobs because they don't pay well. It doesn't pay well to, to work in a grocery store. It doesn't pay well to work in, a, in the field. It doesn't pay well. Uh, you know, to be working in a hotel or washing dishes or in construction, it does not pay well, but we still do it because we, we're, we're, we'll come here to work. It is sometimes, it is a little bit unfortunate sometimes when you see that they're always talking about DACA as the doctored or the lawyered or the engineered or, or the college graduate or all these amazing credentials. Yeah, they're, they're awesome credentials, but at the end of the day, you know, my mom and my brother, they serve 
much more credit than I do because I wouldn't be here if it wouldn't be for them. And one thing that we've been advocated lately, well, not lately, we've been advocated this since the beginning. It was one of the, one of the first things that we agree on was the fact that we were not going to throw our, 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 our families under the bus, even if they offered some type of reform when it comes wow. to DACA. So we, we, we've been pushing, yeah, we've been pushing hard on that. And yes, you, you know, you're, you're something you mentioned earlier. Yeah. Some people may kind of see us not in a good light and saying they may think that we're not grateful because we already have DACA, but we want more. But in reality, it is our duty to be able to advocate for our communities because, and I, when I mean communities, I mean our families to be able to advocate for our families because we would not be here. We're not, we would not have the opportunities that we have today if it wouldn't be for them. And they actually work much harder without getting anything whether it's cleaning houses or doing all these different difficult jobs. And at the end of the day, that's one of the reasons why sometimes we push back on, on even the slightest uh, compromise, especially if it jeopardizes the, the, the well-being of our families. I mean, that hard work is learned behavior, right? I mean, you get that from your family, you get that from those people around you. And if the DACA is the p- political pawn that they say as like the ideal immigrants, where do you think we learned it from? Or I should say, where do you think they, you guys learned it from? Right? It's from the family. It's a family unit. It's, you guys just want the best for you and those around you. And I feel like people have to understand that. It's, again, it's horrible when they paint people with a broad stroke. But you have to understand that immigrants are needed. One way or another, they're needed. And it, it's, it's a shame that they're put down or that they're... Um, they're shown in such a light that make them seem like criminals. But at the end of the day, the country wouldn't run the way it did without, without immigrants. But with that, uh, what can you tell me about the detention centers and, and all the other fights that immigrants are having to face? Because a lot of people are here, but a lot of people aren't lucky enough to make it here, right? It's a, it's a dream that a lot of people chase and unfortunately have to deal with the consequences of. Yeah, there, there's, uh, there's, you know, this is like, a, like an onion. There's so many layers once we start pulling that onion, it is layer after layer after layer of complexity. Because the way DACA, yes, it's been on the news a lot. But another thing that hasn't been uh, mentioned enough is that also uh, people that were here in the United States under a different program called uh, TPS, I believe. Yes. So there's not only TPS, DACA, but also, like you mentioned, there is a lot of people that actually the rights were not only violated, but they were incarcerated for very long periods of time in a very horrible conditions here at the border when they were, all they were asking was for asylum. Yes, there's a process. Yes, they are following the rules as much as they can when it comes to bringing their families. They're coming from very dangerous places. And, you know, I even had this conversation with uh, one of my cousins that, he see things from, he had a one-sided view of what was going on and he lives in TJ and he, has, he works in San Diego and he had one very one-sided view about people that were coming from, from during the caravans and, and the detention centers, right? So we had a long conversation about this issue and one thing I argue with him was the fact that look, yes, we emigrated to this country in a diff- under a different situation but we have to be mindful that, you know, there's people that are getting their family members kidnapped in, in some places in Honduras and Guatemala. And there's, there's a lot of violence 
in, 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 in several places in Central America and people are fleeing, kidnapping, uh, they're fleeing, you know, they're, they're, they're fleeing violence, unemployment, and in very difficult life situations. And when they come to the United States and they come and, and they ask for asylum, not only they're sent back to these uh, shelters in Tijuana, but sometimes they end up in these detention centers that are like little, literally prisons, right? And it, just the conditions in which people are treated are, are horrendous, right? To the point that right now, even, even the, the, the United Nations have been condemning the United States, not only the UN, but like other countries in Europe have been condemning the U.S. of, of how they treat um, people that are asking for asylum, right? So it, it, is, it is a very, it's, it's a very sad situation, but, you know, we're taking one fight at a time especially during all the things that are happening now with the pandemic and, and, and on top of that, we still, you know, we still gotta keep on pushing because it's, it's not just immigration. It's not just black lives matter. It's not just LGBT rights. There are like layers and layers and layers of injustices that we are slowly finding the bonding parts to be able to assemble these very complicated uh, puzzle into organizing, mobilizing, and taking action towards solving these issues. Thankfully, in the last couple of days, have we, we seen a big, big, big um, moment in history, right? Uh, maybe right now I cannot see all the dots connecting, but one thing I can tell you is that it is unprecedented, the amount of, of, of response that we've seen on the last two months, right? When it comes to all these different issues, whether it's Black Lives Matter, LGBT rights, immigration, and then this different big, big, this big wave of, of change. How is that change going to look? I'm not 100% sure, but one thing I can tell you is that whether it's kids in cages or, 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 or a brother or sister being assassinated by the police, we're slowly, you know, joining forces and pushing against this type of, of abuse. But we're getting yeah. there one one step at a time. Yeah, I feel like that's something that keeps coming up because unfortunately, when a lot of things come to light, whether it's one movement or another, a lot of people will say, well, that's not our fight. That's not for us to do. But we have to understand that we have to leave the pettiness behind. And I feel like it's a recurring subject that comes up every time we talk about some kind of movement. But it's just the idea that we have to bind together because at the end of the day, if we don't work together, we're never going to get anything done right? It's the idea is progress. The idea is change and nothing's going to get better. If we say mine is more important because of X, Y, and Z, right? Nothing. It's not about which one's more important. It's about making things happen. It's about leaving the infighting and trying to make a change because if we just focus on the infighting and argue about which one's more important, then we'll never get anything done. Yeah. Our generation definitely. <clears throat> and I speak broadly when I say it, our generation, but we got, we, we got a shit sandwich, literally. Yeah. We got really, really screwed from both ends, from our entering the workforce and the things that they left us behind and also the things that are coming up ahead of us. So we literally, we are the shit sandwich generation. We literally got pretty screwed when it comes to labor rights, when it comes to social issues, when it comes to safety nets, when it comes to 
immigration, when it comes to uh, civil rights, we definitely, a lot of the advances that were made previously by, by, by people in this country, they were slowly eroding because they were not working on maintaining and continuing to, to solidify those foundations. And, and they were eroded to the point that they collapsed. And we are the generation that needs to put all these pieces together. We are getting a shell of things from all these different directions. And we unfortunately do not have time to be able to say, well, this is not my fight. I'm going to focus only on mine. You know, unfortunately, and unfortunately, we, we're actually, you know, we're, we're, we're getting together slowly, but we're getting there. And we are, you know, working on each other's causes. And, and you know, at the end of the day, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to borrow a quote that I really like from the labor movement that says an injury to one is an injury to all. Yeah. At the end of the day, that's, that, that's how I see it, you know. Whether it was whether it was a, a police shooting from a uh, black brother or sister, or whether it was the Supreme Court trying to take away rights from the LGBT community, or whether it was, you know, one of our of our little ones in a cage at the border, it doesn't really matter. At the end of the day, you know, an injury to one is an injury to all, and we thankfully we're getting together. Yeah, I I believe that's very very important is being able to come together for a bigger for a bigger idea but not just that but also being able to stay informed and researching things and and checking your sources i i feel like information is half the battle because having the wrong information can lead you down a hole where you eventually believe something that is outrageous i mean you know people don't just wake up racist uh people are it's learned behavior it's information that keeps getting feed to them from either very young or whatever it may be but this is information that keeps being fed to them so i feel like people need to be able to think critically but also research enough information to know what's out there right a lot of times we don't learn enough in school as much as we'd love to and some teachers are amazing and they do their best but they just it's physically impossible to learn everything in say high school, what most people I'd say would have, right? It is not until you get into college that you start looking in things into death. But even then a lot of us don't go to college. So it's up to us to be able to look up that information. And I believe information is important and uh, we have to know where to look for it. With that said, what is something you think the rest of us, the privilege, I guess you could say, they can do to help, not just the DACA movement, but just in general uh, as an ally? Definitely one thing I will suggest is that, you know, oftentimes people may feel a little bit hesitant when it comes to approaching an organization or a group of students or a group of, of people or people hesitate a little bit because they say, well, I'm not undocumented. So they're going to be, they're going to feel a little strange if I try to help out or something like that. And I will say on the contrary, you know, we cannot put ourselves in the front lines of this battle to be arrested or to do civil disobedience, but you can't because you're a U.S. citizen. Mm -hmm. So even though you don't have to know every single detail that I talked about today when it comes to immigration history or, or all the legal intricacies of how DACA ended up in the Supreme Court, you don't have to know all those things. Just have to be willing to genuinely say, hey, you know, I'm here to support you. And oftentimes there's always a way, you know, like there's always a way to support, whether it is to get involved with your local, uh, with the local organization, for example, San Diego Border Dreamers, uh, which, I which I've been volunteering with, with them for, for quite a while. Uh, but 
also there's other organizations such as the San Diego Immigrants Rights Consortium uh, donating to nonprofits as well. But, you know, at the end of the day, I think it's a, that's a big factor that oftentimes, you know, people hesitated a little bit because I was in, you know, I was in those shoes when I wanted, I remember in 2000, um, I think it was 2014 or 2015 when uh, Michael Brown was, was shot and killed in, in, in Ferguson, right? Like, I'm not African-American and, you know, like, I hesitated a little bit because I did not know where to start. And one thing was just to show up, right? I just went to a rally, showed up, listened to what was going on, and slowly educated myself. And, you know, I was listening to one of the episodes that you had on the, like, I think a week ago or a couple of days ago when you guys were talking about education. Yeah. Uh, you mentioned a really interesting point, you know, like, education oftentimes it's, it's, um, it's, uh, Everyone has different value and everybody gets something different out of it. But one thing that I think it's kind of universal, it's uh, learning how to learn. Because at the end of the day, it helps you get to the bottom of things. You may not be, it's not, may not guarantee you an income. It may not guarantee you success. It may not guarantee you happiness. But one thing I think it guarantees is the fact that you will have enough tools to be able to differentiate real news versus fake news and watered down history versus real history. And oftentimes I think that's kind of a universal value that comes out of education that oftentimes it helps you to get to the bottom of things, to get to the information that they, they, that they really don't want you to know. Mm-hmm. And I'm not using that as a conspiratorial quote. I, it's just literally history it's that it's facts. Yeah, exactly. That, 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 that it was some oftentimes not, glorify or romanticize and it's cruel it's dark it's dry and sometimes it's not even interesting but is it true so i think that's um yeah you know i think one of the things that i can tell people to get involved in this will be to reach out to any local organizations donate if you can uh but it's something more importantly is to be able to verify the information that you come across before you have an opinion on it i think uh reading a little bit more than the headline yeah i completely agree i feel like a lot of people feel like like you mentioned uh feel overwhelmed i mean with so much so much going on everybody thinks like well fuck i want to help but i just don't want to don't know where to start and information is a good place to start i know that a lot of people were also feeling guilty of not going to say protest or maybe they feel guilty because they can't post as much or don't have a platform it's a very difficult moment psychologically for everybody because we're going through a we're going through an economic crisis we're going to unemployment we're going through some people are still have to go to school like in my case i just graduated from school uh two weeks ago but even even just getting through finals uh unemployment seeing you know people getting sick the economy bouncing up and down not being able to have social interactions with people it is already really, really, really hard just to be able to get by on this current situation. So even if you don't do anything, I want you to know that it's okay, but it's not okay on the long run to stay on the sidelines and not do nothing. Right now, it's difficult. It is very, very difficult. And the people that have gone out there, I, you know, I give them my, I'll take my hat off for all the people that went on to the rallies, to every single rally, because I went to probably half of them and, and they were hard and I went there and I was a little concerned about my, my own health. 
and we still have to push through, right? But at the end of the day, you know, these are very difficult times, and not everyone's going to agree with what I said, but if I think that if even if you don't get involved now, it's okay. It's a very difficult time for everybody. Uh, Francisco, thank you so much for your time. This was a lot of fun. I hope, I hope we can do it again. Uh, where can we find you? Where can we reach out for you if you have any questions? Yeah, um, you can find me on Facebook under Francisco Peralta Vargas. Or you can also find me on Instagram as El Acro, El Pinche Acro. <laughs> Don't ask me why, but I just randomly picked that for my Instagram. All right. Well, again, Francisco, thank you so much. And congratulations on graduating from UCSD, man. You're making us proud. Thank you, brother. I appreciate it. Take it easy, man. Awesome. The rest of your day. Thank you. Hey, man. Thank you so much for doing this. Can you go ahead and introduce yourself for me? What's up, man? Nacho. I'm here. I'm a dreamer, a San Diego resident, and I'm happy to be here, man. Excited. Yeah, thanks for being here. Uh, could you tell me a little bit about the platform that you've created, the Dreamers Mic? Yeah, dude. So um, my Instagram is Nacho Business, and I use that platform, and it's called the Dreamers Mic. So what I wanted to do is I give a voice to all the immigrants and all the dreamers of this country because I feel that our voice should be heard. Our stories are powerful, and I think by sharing it, not only liberates ourselves from the systematic racism, but it also encourages others to really sit down and have a conversation on topics that are kind of pushed to the side or not given the, the importance that I think is necessary. I completely agree. I feel like a lot of people definitely benefit from being able to voice their opinions. I feel like, especially in the DACA community, a lot of people think that, you know, hey, like if I say something, I might get in trouble or hey, like maybe this is enough or I shouldn't speak out because there might be retribution. But I feel like you're completely right. People need to share their stories. People need to know that they're being heard and that it can be better. I feel like a lot of times people will say like, you know, oh, you don't know how good you have it. It could be worse. And maybe that's true. But also, you know, you're contributing. I mean, you guys are taxpayers. DACA dreamers are taxpayers. They're workers. They're essential workers as we're seeing now. So why not ask for, for what's right, right? We're not asking. You guys aren't asking for something extreme. You guys are just asking, asking for what's fair. Yeah, we're taxpayers as DACA, but also immigrants are also taxpayers. So exactly. they're... Right. Immigrants aren't given social security, but they are given an ITIN number. So they contributed to all the, the relief funds, the, the stimulus checks that these citizens received. And right. part of that money is from immigrants. Yet immigrants right. did not receive a stimulus check because they did not have a social security. So that's just something to keep in mind as well. Right. And I feel like there's a lot of misinformation saying like, oh, well, these immigrants are coming to the country and taking stamps and taking welfare and it's like well no they don't they're literally not allowed to apply they won't qualify mm -hmm. so i feel like there's a lot of stigma and a lot of misinformation out there because there seems to be a lot of input from immigrants but not any really take out take away from them with that could you describe to me your personal experience with daca yeah i did so um so i came to this country when i was two years old and my parents came here searching for a better life for better opportunities um, I have not returned to to the Mexican country ever since. I 
identify myself as a Latino, but um, growing up, it was really hard uh, viewing my friends going in and out of the country and me not knowing why I could not, you know, I was just raised with the ideal that, um, that we should stay underground, do our business, go to school, if interacting with the police to just, you know, mind our own business because at any moment they have the, the authority to, you know, deport us. So yeah, growing up, that was rough. But in 2012, when I heard about, um, the, the DACA movement, uh, my mom, I just remember my mom telling me that there was opportunity. There was going to be opportunity for me to work, for me to go to school. So at the time I was in, I think high school, so, or middle school. So I wasn't really aware of what was going on until everything passed. It wasn't now until uh, I was able to go to college. Um, it's my, I'm my last semester at SDSU. So I'm just really happy that um, things pushed out, but um, this has pushed me that this is a victory for all, for all Latino and all immigrants, but we should keep pushing because um, the dreamers movement only occupies a certain amount of us, but there's still so many outside the circle that have not been given the rights that we deserve. Um, right. There's still so many people like the kids we see in cages. It's, it's heartbreaking, but yeah, that's my story. And I just hope that uh, with my story, you, we see the real immigrant story because we're painting this picture that President Trump has said it. He calls us rapists, um, drug dealers. He calls us all this. And I think what people don't realize is that the media really affects us. And when someone says it so bluntly out, out to the public, people are going to believe that shit, you know? Yeah. So I, and also that's why I created that this platform because I want uh, people to feel comfortable. Like just because we're painted as immigrants doesn't mean we don't have rights. Like they hate our brown skin, bro. Like they hate our dark skin, our dark complexion, really do, yeah. complexions. And I just want people to feel empowered by their skin, empowered by their story and to motivate others to, you know, just keep pushing and, and strive for the future that we want because this is our home and, and we have the right to push and, and fight for the, for the rights that we want and deserve. Yeah, no, I completely agree. Uh, part of what you said, uh, especially when you mentioned sometimes media, you know, portrays, uh, portrays the dreamers or immigrants in general in such a horrible light. And sometimes it's just for political points, you know, because they know that fear mongering is going to get them what they want, which is a reelection or it's going to get them whatever the hell they need. But at the end of the day, that's why it's so important that people like you are, are sharing their platform for, for more. You know, you want to share the true stories. You want to share what's really going on. And especially when you categorize an entire, entire section of the population, say immigrants, as bad. You, can't, you just can't say that. Like, it's almost statistically impossible. Yeah. You know, not to say, you know, uh, racist. But uh, besides that, I feel like that's why it's so powerful to see so many people speak up and try to try to share their voice. I feel like now more than ever, especially, I mean, not to say that there wasn't any movements before because there has been, but I don't know if it's the quarantine. I don't know if it's uh, the recent series of events, but I feel like now there is a lot of movement, at least, especially in social media. And, and if uh, for the most of it, I feel like it's good because we're able to share certain information that maybe before wasn't seen right before a lot of times you'd hear about kids in cages, but it would kind of get drowned away with the rest of, everything else that was going on. And now that we're seeing that we were seeing pictures and seeing videos and seeing all these testimonies, 
that's when you sit down and realize, like, oh shit, this is bad. This is worse than we thought. And and I'm glad people are finally paying attention, I guess is what I'm trying to say. Uh, and part of it, I feel like it's with, for people like you, you know, trying to share that information out there and being able to prove that, you know, you guys are here to help. You guys are here here to uh, contribute to society, not, not anything else. So people realize that we're all affected by the same beast. And by beast, I mean by, the, by this system that was created by white supremacy. And I, and I just want to touch on it briefly, but if you really want to go back into history and talk about the murders and talk about the colonization, talk about all this stuff, it comes down to white people wanting power and if like this isn't meant to offend anybody but if it offends a certain race it it, you know it's facts like go back in history and look how this country was founded look at how this country has um, made its money throughout the years either through slavery through the criminalization system through immigration you know it's just we're all affected by the same beast and until we come together and that's the beauty of it. And, and yeah, it just gives me hope because if, if during the civil rights movement, people were able to get together and, you know, start a movement now that we have social media and, and millions of views can be seen in just two days, you know, it gives me hope. It gives me hope in humanity, but yeah. Yeah, and unfortunately, I will say, especially in like uh, Latinx communities and just like Mexican culture, especially, there is a lot of misinformation and sometimes like ignorance because you'll you'll get your tia or sometimes your parents that are like, oh, like don't get into that. That's not your fight. That that's doesn't matter. You're part of a different. Like they don't like us either. And like there's all this like mentality of separation, and it's like you don't understand like white people take up over what is it like 64% of the population. If we don't bound together, we're never going to get this or that. It's not about one thing just because I support this doesn't mean I don't support that. It's just that if I help them here, they'll help me there. And that's the only way we're going to win. It's a numbers game, really. Like whether it's with legislation or whether it's with protest, it comes down to being together because the more we're separated by old time ideas and unfortunately racism in our own culture, we're not going to make a change, right? I exactly. Feel like. And I think why this, this Black Lives Matter movement is so strong because if Black lives matter in society, every other minority is going to matter. So I think as a, a Latino that falls into this Latinx community, we have to hop on this movement because yes. when they benefit, we are going to benefit. Like they, mm-hmm. they stand for everything that we stand for. Exactly. And, exactly. Yeah. Exactly. And I feel like enough with the separation, enough with uh, they're not raza or they're not this, they're not that. No. And, and not to say, I mean, there is black lives in Latino culture. You know what I mean? Exactly. So if anything, we're we're all one. And I feel like until we see that, you know, we're going to keep we're going to keep hitting these stumps. And again, it comes with information, information for us, the people around us and our parents. You know, I feel like a lot of it has to do with. And I feel like everybody here has at least 1% of African culture, bro. Like, exactly. if you want to get down to it, like. Yeah. Or, we, or we benefit or we, like, enjoy it, right? Like, any kind of music uh, can be derived from the blues or anything exactly. like that. Any kind of uh, fashion, anything like that. We are all enjoying and indulging in, in an African-American culture or African culture. So it's, like, almost hypocritical to be like, yeah, I don't, I don't like that. 
But love the culture. Or I saw a post. It was like, you can't love the culture, but hate the people. Exactly. It's just ridiculous. It, it's like loving Taco Tuesday, but not liking Mexicans. Like, come on, man. That's, get your shit that's true. That's true. <laughs> it's like, come on, you can do better. And you know that. Um, <laughs> so that said, uh, why, why would you, th- I mean, besides the obvious things, why is it important to preserve DACA? I know that DACA recently has been on the forefront for a lot of uh, controversy because Trump, much like he promised in his campaign, uh, is trying to dismantle everything that Obama did. And yeah. it almost seems like it's really for political points. I don't think he even cares about what he's doing. But that said, why is it important at the moment to preserve DACA? I think it's um, important to preserve DACA because the simple fact that the Supreme Court favored with us gave us hope. And it gave all, every, every minority, whether it's black, brown, whether you're a female, it gave hope as a dreamer myself and knowing other immigrants, this program really, really benefits and helps us grow in this country that we call home. You know, like there's so many stories like mine that have not, that we grew up here, you know, we don't know of any other place. And if we are deported, you're sending us to a country, a foreign country, you know, it's one, it's inhumane. And two, it doesn't follow the constitution. The constitution does not say citizens. It says people living here, you know, and we live here. We consider this our home. So I think it'd be inhumane and uh, a form of cruelty if if this program ends because, you know, it gives people like myself the opportunity to work, to, to, um, to go to school. And we have to have a clean record, you know, like I saw, I tweeted about this other day that, us as dreamers go through a more heavy background check than a white male to buy a gun in this country. It's true. And um, I feel like you're, you're right. I mean, there's definitely some kind of guideline. It's not like another piece of misinformation. I feel like a lot of people see is that, well, everyone gets to be a dreamer. Like that's not how it works. I guess you have to upstand to a higher standard than most regular citizens, you know, just to get the privilege of exactly. you know, and studying here. And again, it's not like you're just taking shit. I mean, you're contributing your essential workers. Dreamers are essential workers, are healthcare workers, they're uh, taxpayers. There's so much that has been taken from dreamers and obviously not considered when talking about uh, DACA, but also like, you're right. I mean, displacing so many people back to a country that they don't know. In your case, you've been here since two years old. There's some people that have been here for uh, from the, when they were younger or maybe older, but still, they're, they would be placed in a country that they just don't, they don't know. This is home. And I feel like, especially after so many years of being here and contributing, it just doesn't seem fair to try to dismantle it. You know, at this point, it's just almost too late. So uh, now that we're on the theme of dismantling DACA, how would that affect our, our communities, you think? What would be some negative effects that we would see more directly from dismantling such a big program? I think the negative effects, like you said, like we mentioned, um, most of the dreamers are essential workers. Um, we contribute to society. But I think we have to take a, a perspective in, you know, like it's Trump does have the power to take away this program. But now we should, now that the Supreme Court favored with us, we have to keep pushing, um, holding these politicians accountable. So by what I mean by that is keep active, uh, having activism in the streets because what people don't know, dreamers didn't, or the, the DACA program didn't stem from, you know, from nothing. Like there was people, and I didn't know this, but in 2012, 2011, there was people protesting out in the streets with no form of, 
of security and these like the the people that started this movement ran the risk of being arrested being deported you know they didn't know what was going to happen with them and it wasn't until obama was like oh shit like i have to do something because yeah. you know the country's falling apart so i think we have to keep pushing and and trying to create new new opportunities no programs for for people that don't fall under this daca um permit this this work yeah yeah no i um i agree and i feel like that's why it's so important to bound together again i mean i feel like we keep cycling back to that but we you're right we have to keep people accountable we have to this isn't a trend. I feel like that's what I want to get to. Like this, whether it's DACA, whether it's BLM, whether it's kits and cages, this isn't just a trend, an Instagram trend. This should be something that can we continue following up on. You know, I know there's been some movement for removing kids from cages, but hey, let's make sure that shit happens. Like, let's make sure that it's being done. Let's make sure that DACA is being taken care of. Because a lot of times you'll get politicians that come in and say, oh, we want to do this. We want to do that. We'll make sure to protect that. Let's make sure they do it, you know, because otherwise exactly. if we just let it go and we put it in the back of our minds and we, the, the hashtag is forgotten, then nothing's ever going to happen. Right. If people aren't um, using the right to vote and, or to protest or to speak up, then at the end of the day, it's just going to be, again, another hashtag that gets forgotten. And that can't happen. Yeah. For me, gente que, que son ciudadanos y que um, pueden votar. They have to vote, dude. Like, yeah. that's something that upsets me personally. Having the privilege of being a citizen and not voting because whatever the fuck the reason is, you know? Like, right. as, a, as a member of our community, you should vote and be the voice for the voiceless. Because as a dreamer, we can't vote. We can't vote, mm -hmm. and that's something, you know, set in stone. Um, but, yeah, as a, that's... If if your folks have residency, push to get that citizenship. You know, like stop putting that shit off. I have friends that um, their parents have been residents for for a while now, and por cualquier cualquier razón they haven't pushed to citizenship. And I think now that the the like vote matters so much, they have to push. We we have to push. You know, like if if I could be a help for somebody that's a resident and doesn't become a citizen. Like us together, we can get you to that citizenship so you can vote and be the voice, you know? Right. Yeah. I mean, again, express if you have the right, like if you have the privilege to vote, use it. Right. Like you should take advantage because to a lot of people, it may seem like just another tick in a piece of paper. But for people like you, it could change your entire life. I mean, this DACA movement is huge because it. Yes, it's a political thing. And that's another thing I hate when people say, well, I don't want to get political. It's like, dude, this isn't just about politics. You know, this <laughs> is about people's lives. I mean, we literally have people's lives in our hands because it's up to our decision. It's up to informing ourselves whether people like you get to stay in this country or not. That's such a huge thing that I feel like a lot of us, unfortunately, take for granted. And some of us are able to uh, notice our privilege, but a lot of people don't. And uh, again, it comes with information. It comes with platforms like yours where you're able to share your story and say hey guys listen this is fucked up we got to do something about it um because otherwise people won't pay attention i mean our attention span is so shitty that you know if we're not watching 90 day fiance you know we'll maybe retweet something sign a petition and they're like oh i'm done like i'm done being productive we're so, de we're so desensitized yeah bro like when we see shit 
like we're just like oh it's another killing or oh it's another statistic or mm-hmm. and and as humans we have to see cruel things to really like oh shit like this shit's mm-hmm. really happening you know but it, it shouldn't take to that point but yeah like I have hope, dude. I really do have hope just because how history repeats itself. And usually when um, youth-led movements are in the front lines, and by the front lines, I mean like pushing, 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 that's usually when shit gets done, you know, because us as, as, or at least I consider myself a young person, 21, I don't have nothing to lose, you know, like I do, but, you know, then there's so many people out there that are tired of this shit you know like because yeah. this is systematic dude. it's been happening for so so fucking long and that's what people don't understand like this isn't you this isn't this a is new fight yeah exactly just because you could go on about your life and live in this free market and buy whatever you want but there's still people dying out here there's still people um being oppressed by ice agents by police officers like this is and that's like my model it's a different struggle but it's still the same fight yeah it's a we struggle differently being oppressed by the system but it's still the same fight you know i agree yeah yeah i feel like that's one thing people definitely take for granted a lot of people that don't have undocumented people or aren't undocumented themselves don't know the fear of passing through migra you know what i mean or being by an ice agent or seeing those green uh freaking jeeps around you know, it's a it's a internal fear that it's hard to understand unless you go through it because a lot of people say, well, if you're not doing anything wrong, you shouldn't be scared. It's like, dude, it's so much more than that. If you look at them the wrong way, they'll stop you and they can, you know, and it's just that it's that fear of not knowing that I feel like it pushes a lot of people to the limit. And you're right. A lot of people are so done with this. And yes, uh, I feel like history definitely repeats itself and that's why we should learn from the past a lot of times you look at these textbooks and they're in black and white and you think oh this is so long ago this has nothing to do with me we fixed it hey we won yay we're here now that was then now we're here it's like uh well no like pay attention know what's going on and know that the problems are kind of there you know in a different way you know we don't have things like jim crow anymore or in and maybe, uh, you know, there's different, like, uh, there's different fights when it comes to, like, laborers and things like that. But mm-hmm. we still have a fight. We haven't, we're not, nowhere near done. And I feel like people have to pay attention to that. Exactly. Yeah, dude. And if we want to get into, like, the educational system, it's just a fucking school to jail pipeline. Mm-hmm. It's all sort of fucked up. Like, there's cops in 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 schools i went to a protest yesterday and that's the whole thing like why the fuck is there cops at schools instead of counselors there's one more cops for every 1300 kids like what the fuck dude like the system is just set up for us to fail so yeah until the whole system is fucking remodeled and we put our money where we really want it and not at least in san diego here two-thirds of our budget goes to the police Mm-hmm. Even when most San Diegans called, I myself called and I was like, dude, like, why are we putting more money into the problem? Like, why are we, but como en español, porque le estamos echando más leña al fuego, you know? Like, yeah. if we know the problem is the police, why the fuck are we funding the police even more? And that's the critical thinking that us as people have to do. Like, why are these council members voting 
for the police? Is it because they have other interests in mind and not our interests in mind? You know, and that's the importance of voting as well, not just for like presidential, but locally, because these council members are supposed to represent us, but they don't, you know? Yeah. And a lot of it, I feel like has to do with the, again, the misinformation. A lot of people are being told, oh, defund the police. And they think, well, what? We need the police. What do you mean? And it's like, okay, okay, hold on. Let me take a step back and try to explain to you what we mean. And unless everybody's having that conversation, right? Mm-hmm. we're never going to get it done because people are always going to think, well, we need the police. And it's like, well, how can I tell you that? Yes, but no. And, you know, and especially when, when we talking about defunding the police, we're talking about investing, reinvesting that money into schools and healthcare and, and housing and things that are going to lead to a less need for the police. Right. Mm-hmm. I mean, I'm not saying take them all away because then the purge is going to happen. But what I'm saying yeah. is reallocate some of the resources so that, we don't need, you know, we don't need a badge and a gun showing up to things that they don't need to show up to. And exactly, it, because racism is so prevalent in our country, bro. And I think that's what people don't understand. And if you don't understand that, that's part of your privilege. Because what you said before is such, it's so common and I hear it so much in people saying that if you don't do anything and if, if you're doing, you're being like a lawful citizen, you mm-hmm. should not be afraid of the police. But yeah. We see instances after instances that black people are being killed um, for being lawful citizens. Breonna Taylor, she was in her house and they broke in because they they confused her house for somebody that was already in custody. You know, and this may be a dramatic case, but there are case by case by case that, you know, we don't need slave patrols anymore. Like if we are truly free this like the police used to be slave patrols and we aren't mm-hmm. taught this in school we aren't taught this we're we're taught that if we're exact again lawful citizens that we should have no no problem with the police but race racism was never in my opinion it was never handled the way it should be after the civil rights you know like we try to push it under the rug and say that because a black and a white person can now be in a, in a restaurant together. We're equal. No, you know, like the reparations were never made. And I take the drastic push in comparing it to the Holocaust, you know, because in Nazi Germany or in, yeah, Nazi Germany, people could wave the the Nazi flag. uh, But after that shit was done, they were like, fuck no. Like why the fuck? Are we going to allow people to wave the flag? And people now fucking getting upset over not being able to to wave the Confederate flag. And then there's that Confederate flag. You know what it is? They are, Germany is embarrassed of what happened. That's what I'm saying. The South isn't. They they think it represents heritage. I I feel like, I'm sorry to interrupt you, but especially when it comes to like monuments and statues, you can see if you look at the data, you can see that a lot of them were pushed right, uh, right as Jim Crow law was started in the tens and the twenties. That's when most of the statues were enacted, and and then it pushed again when the civil rights movement happened. So then you're saying like, how can you not say that these aren't meant to be racist and try to degrade people of color when you when they're being put up specifically during the times of uh, most racial tension. You know what I mean? It's, it's, it's silly to think that 
as there's any kind of argument to say that the Confederate flag doesn't represent anything else than racism and wanting to overpower people. It just and some and something to think about, like why are people getting upset, more upset over a, a statue that is not living over a human being that has yes. been killed, or or they're like, stuck in cages, or kids that yes. are stuck in cages, like like whatever does, it is, yeah. fuck a rock, fucking put put that same energy into into someone that is being killed, put that exactly. same fucking energy into somebody that's in a cage, and, exactly. but you know. I was going to say, I feel like that comes with uh, what you were saying earlier about how, like, after the civil rights movement, things just weren't handled right. I feel like racism was never beaten. It was just evolved. I don't know how much you know about Malcolm X, but Malcolm X was completely against, like, us. Fought, er, how do I word it? Like, he, he was completely against us living un- under a society that praised the white man yeah and no uh, he was like the complete opposite of say like uh, martin luther king which i feel like is why people don't reference him as much because they're like well malcolm x was violent i was like you have to understand you can't just be all good i mean that's why martin luther king got shot right but no i i know that malcolm malcolm x was also a big pusher for um ignoring symbolic um symbolic movements when i say that i mean taking away things like Aunt Jemima or taking away the, the things like master bedroom. I know that that's being a change or taking things away from say Netflix. Yes, they're good, but they are not what we're asking for. I feel like the BLM movement is asking for so many other bigger reforms. And a lot of the populations try to be placated with like, well, look at that. We took gone with the wind. We took gone with the wind from HBO. So you're good, right? We're good. It was racist. We're not racist. We're good. And it's like, no, we have to push for bigger things. That's not where the fight ends. Exactly. And I think the first step into these reforms, like you said, is with the defunding of the police. Like, that's where, because we can't go to places without our people stop being killed. You know, if, if there's still people, our people being killed, because I feel like this country, namas nos divide, dude, like, it's it it just divides us more and more and more and it and it deprives us from seeing that we're it's we're all humans we're all one being Mm -hmm. like you know and like you said like we live in a household and we think we're free because there's a free market and and this and that capitalism whatever but we're not really free my dude and that's what people i think people don't understand like the media and growing up they have had such a big influence in our life that I believe that our unconscious or those people that really don't support the movement, they're unconscious and their prejudice are based on that media because they yeah. saw it over and over that blacks were criminals, that blacks were drug lords. And yeah, you could say that it was just a movie or whatever, but if you were, if you never go down, down the eight, if you never go down to city Heights slogan, because of that fear that you see that you see in the television what the fuck are you gonna believe like oh uh these people are are criminals because they don't have the opportunity no you're gonna fucking believe what you see you know and but i think us as people fight being oppressed we have to stay grounded and have faith because that's something that we can't lose you know like they're gonna try to 
um, strip us from that faith or saying that everything is, is equal, that everybody has the same rights. But those of us that really, really know or empathize with those that are being affected, because I see it, I'm starting to see more white allies, you know, mm-hmm. um, those people that may have not lived in those low income communities, but yet are putting themselves in the front lines. And for, for, and I think that's a question that, that I get a lot too, as, as a white ally, what can they do to, to support yeah. either um, the DACA movement or, or the Black Lives Matter movement? And as, as for DACA, I think just being in, informed of, of who supports it and just hearing, hearing them out because some people don't feel comfortable talking about their, their experience, you know? And me personally, it, it took me a while because, like I said, growing up, you're, you're taught to be scared of police. You, you're taught to not share your story because of fear of other people and whether they're going to call ice on you and boom, you know. So yeah, yeah. As, long, as for the Black Lives Matter movement, um, I've learned that if, if you're white and you're privileged, be in the front lines. Don't be scared of being arrested like, because that's what cops are put out there to do. You know, I've been tear gassed. I've been fucking, thank God I haven't been shot with the rubber bullets, but you know, that's just legit. And, and if you're really down for the movement and you're privileged, fucking go up there, you know, be in the front lines. This is a revolution. Like this, this is a fucking revolution that's happening right now. Yeah. I feel like that's what a lot of people don't realize. And a lot of times they'll try to demonize it by saying they're all writers and looters and all this misinformation. But again, you're right, man. This is, this is a revolution and there's so many movements pushing forward. And as more information comes out, whether it has to do with BLM or DACA or even now with uh, Vanessa. There's, there's a hashtag going around saying I am Vanessa Guillen. Yeah. And it's just women, dude. It's women and being like testifying, right? Testifying and showing their, their stories, bro. And this story is one of many. And it's one story that has brought, has been brought to our attention. But it's something that has been going on for a while. So when a revolution is going on and what gives me hope, and I hope this revolution really gets to everybody that has been uh, oppressed. Like I said, women, women have been sexualized, objectified by the media. You know, like we need more female leaders. We need to advocate for for feminism. Um, Black people, of course, immigrants, all these people, dude, all of us that have been in the shadows for so long, it's our time now to come together, come together and fight for that change because we have, and we've seen in the past that we all want to fight for like um, immigrant rights or we have want to fight for black, black uh, lives or, or um, feminist rights. Feminism, yeah. And look where it's gotten us, you know? And that's what I reflect on. And it's not until we all come together Mm-hmm. and push for that change that we're gonna that we're stronger you know those politicians they're scared of us they're scared of us of us seeing beyond this systematic divide and seeing that we're all humans and that our that our race our gender whatever we identify as that we are one they're fucking terrified dude yeah so, i will say that uh pixar said it the best man there is power in numbers and mm-hmm. you know and again i feel like it's it, like just like you mentioned it's not to say that one thing is more important than another. Cause I feel like that's where a lot of the infighting happens, 
when it's like, well, why would I march for them? They didn't march when we did this. And it's like, oh, can we just like leave the pettiness behind? Can we stop being about me, 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 and just try to see the bigger picture and say, hey, listen, if let's say like, what's, what's the strongest right now, I would say is the BLM movement, right? After everything with George Floyd, Breonna Taylor, and the countless names that are, that are being recorded every day. If we push for that, then now we have leniency to push for, say, DACA. Because now that we know that Black Lives Matter, then now officially all lives will matter, right? Meaning that now we can look at DACA and say, you know what? We can do this for BLM, then we can do this for DACA. And then from there, we can do this for them. And we can. And that's just how it's going to go. Unless we bound together and try to make shit happen, all we're going to do is keep fighting about which one's more important. And at the end of the day, fucking government's going to be happy about it because they're like, well, we don't have to pay attention to them because they're, they can't even fucking figure their shit out. So, yeah, no, definitely. And with that said, uh, just tell me, uh, just so we can end it on a good note, <laughs> what is something that you can, uh, do you think that we can all do to help, uh, whether it's other dreamers or just people that have the privilege of being citizens or, or in general, just what can we do to help? During these rough times, it, it is to to help yourself, whatever that means as an individual, like make sure you're, you're okay. Because if, if you're not okay mentally, if you're not okay physically, we can't really help others. So I think that's the first step. Um, just even with everything going on, um, whatever you believe in, just, you know, um, stay grounded. If you believe in God, just stay grounded, have faith. Again, don't, don't let that faith, um, run away from you like hold hold off hold on to it tight but when it comes to activism just i think this this is a movement this isn't a moment so if if you keep sharing that on instagram if you keep trying to get those people that may try that are trying to continue their lives as nothing is happening if you keep trying to have a conversation with these people and 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 really convince them of what's going on and just staying staying educated you know because there there's so many things right now going on that are trying to be thrown at us that we may get confused and and desviarnos from from where we're going so yeah. just staying educated and i mean the the election is coming up so um vote in San Diego, the council members are running up. Just, just stay ed- educated. Um, I do have a, a link tree on on my bio, so there, there's petitions there. There's um, websites that, uh, to to inform yourself about the op- abolition movement. This abolition movement is is legit. Like we want, or those of us that believe in it, we want to get rid of the whole system. We have we want to reconstruct it because it's set up for those who have money to keep having money and it's and it's composed for those who don't have money and are stuck in these um in this cycle whether it's the incarceration cycle or it's the drug addiction problem to just you know just keep keep filling up the pockets of those with money so um yeah just just try to stay above it and and stay grounded all right, guys, uh, you guys heard it here. Uh, Ignacio, thank you so much for doing this. Where can we find you? Where can we look you up? At Nacho Business, two O's and three S's at Nacho Business. All right, thanks so much for doing this again, man. Have a good one. All right, man.